I want you to leverage what the algorithm can do for you. And so I want you to send this message in a direct message or Facebook Messenger, anything like that. I want you to send it through that. Not email, not text, here's why. Alright you guys, welcome back to another episode of Light It Up Podcast. We are super excited to have with us today Chelsea Pites. Chelsea is a real estate veteran and a marketing pro. She had a successful career as a realtor for over a decade and has now transitioned into marketing, social media, and real estate coaching. Chelsea is a coach, an author, and a speaker dedicated to helping people build an irresistible personal brand on social media. Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. We're super excited to spend some time with you today. I'm super excited to be here. That was super sweet. <laughs> yeah, we're excited. So let's jump into this. We okay. are known to go into the lightning round uh, where we ask you questions unrelated to real estate just to learn a little okay. bit more about you and your business and your life. So without further ado, Kiro. Right. What's a skill that you learned when you were young that you still use today? Hmm, that's an awesome question. I would say it has to be something about people. Uh, people skills, people fascinate me. I'm obsessed with the idea of product psychology and the marketing, the human to human marketing. So I once upon a time was planning on being a therapist. Mm. <laughs> and I went to college for that reason. I got my degree in clinical psychology. And then I realized because I'm so empathic that probably would not be a good idea if I was crying every single time I sat down with my clients. <laughs> so I ended up going into real estate, which I kind of joke is is basically the next Same best thing, thing of yeah. being a therapist. And so definitely my ability to connect with people and to have an authentic connection to be able to listen to them, which has absolutely served me well in my business is really understanding what the challenges, pain points, problems are. And you can only really do that through listening. So I'm going to give a shout out to ASU for giving me that ability as I was learning to be a therapist. <laughs> I love that one. That's good. Awesome. All right, Chelsea. What are you most worried about with the next generation? Mm, well, I have a next generation who just turned 10. And there's so many things that I am wondering about, especially with my industry. Uh, my specific industry, obviously, is technology and social media. And it's not all roses and rainbows there. It's a great, amazing tool where I can connect with people at scale and share my story at scale and make eye contact at scale and truly create a deep and relatable, authentic understanding of other human beings. And also, it's a place that sometimes you feel very vulnerable when you're posting. And sometimes you get people that say things that aren't very nice. And there's a lot of scammers and hackers and fakes. And I literally just had another one yesterday. So there's a lot of things that also kind of make me a little bit nervous about everything that's going to be advancing. And I know a lot of your listeners probably are already talking about chat GPT and different AIs. And I think that, you know, there's always a great way to use them. And there will always still be a need for that humanity within that technology as well. So I think probably as much as I love social media and what I do, I'm also a little bit nervous about where it might go, especially for my kiddo. Yeah. 
you know, it's interesting because it's your industry, but one of the things that you say that you still use in terms of a skill is connecting with people. And mm -hmm. it's almost like social media allows you to relate to the person you're watching, but you can't really connect and you become avoidant of actual physical connection. Yeah. I would disagree. Oh. Oh. <laughs> so um, a little quick background too about me. I have written two books about this topic and I'm one of the few people who has actually studied how our brains react to faces through screens. And years and years ago, which is so funny I'm saying that, it's like the old days. It was probably like eight or nine years ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, the old, the old original versions of different social medias. I fell in love with an app called Snapchat. And you might remember that at one time it was like as popular as TikTok. And unfortunately now it's not really as popular. And obviously people still love it, but it will have a special place in my heart. And we forget that now it seems so commonplace to have live video and Zoom video and stories and reels and TikTok, but that didn't exist. You had basically one type of video and it was recorded video that most people were putting on YouTube and there was no app that didn't have a feed. So it was totally different and you opened it up and it was like, here's a camera, you got to do something with it. And yeah. the do something with it was usually us talking to it. And so what happened is I was totally fascinated because I was watching these perfect strangers. And I remember one day clearly when my husband came home from work and I said, babe, you're never going to believe what happened to Shannon. And so I tell him the story of what happened to Shannon. And then he's like, remind me, he's like, who's Shannon? I'm like, oh, she's my Snapchat friend. And he rolled his eyes and was like, babe, that's not a real person. That's not a real friend. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But we're like, we talk every day. And I thought it was profoundly strange that as a full grown adult, as a parent with a career that I was really feeling close and compelled to having an authentic relationship with these other human beings, which actually there was a group of us that did end up getting together and meeting in person. And to this day, nine years later, we still talk on a regular basis. Um, so my work really centers around the big idea that the real estate human who wins in 2023 is the person who can share more videos that can make a stranger feel like they already know them. Mm. And your connection point, your conversion rate is directly tied to how well your content shows people who you really are. And that was a hard sell before the pandemic. <laughs> Let me tell you, yeah. I took a lot of stages where a lot of people were like, mm, okay, wait, so you want me to do video because you think I can actually be more human through tech? And I was like, yes, and let me show, tell you why. And then we all got forced onto this thing. And it's not as good, right? We want to be there with people. But you can't tell me that when I looked at my parents through Zoom and spent holidays and birthdays over that two-year period for the pandemic, and I said, I love you guys. I miss you, that that wasn't real. It's different but it's still real. So I work a lot around those mindsets around online versus offline and how to create humanity through like virtual digital content. I'm going to throw away my card and we can jump <laughs> right into it. <laughs> so no, that's, that's, that's powerful. Just to be fair, the next generation, because they didn't have so much physical connection, that's something they might be a little apprehensive to do if they're just relying on the social aspect. I completely agree with what you're saying. That's extremely powerful in that essence. But I think what you said earlier as well, the vulnerability, doing the research on you and like going through the, the preparation, you know, letting people see who you really are isn't easy. 
No. And part of the plot twist that I wanted to throw in here, because John's one of the funniest people I know, but on social media, he cannot come off as funny as all because he'll just be robotic, right? No, but that's true, right? How do you get someone? Yeah. And I brought this camera. You can't see it. Oh, no, you can. <laughs> uh, because I was hoping that later on in this episode, you can help Coach John through how to actually be himself, right? And creating content that portrays himself, mm -hmm. promoting this episode for viewers to watch. So this is my specialty and it's because I am so passionate about studying human behavior. And so thank you for allowing me to nerd out a little bit on the neuroscience behind social media and cameras. And I want to tell you that I am by nature, by DNA, a highly anxious camera shy human being. I know it doesn't sound like it. Like you, I've been on camera every single day. And so I find that as a coach, it's helpful if I talk about the why because sometimes we feel a lot of shame around like, why can't I do this? I'm a really funny person in real life, or I don't really get scared in front of people. Like, why isn't it me there? And so I talk about this idea of alignment and mismatches. And one of the things that I always ask people is, do you remember the first time you watched yourself back in a video? And Because I do. I remember it very clearly like it was yesterday and it was probably 10 years ago. And for five years, I did not watch myself back for five years. I would make a video and I knew that if I watched it back, the cringe, the ick factor would take over and I would be like, that, that, I'm not going to do this again. That was horrible, right? I shouldn't have done that, but I did what I needed to do. And so we all know that exposure therapy or exposing yourself to keep doing it, but who wants to white knuckle it, right? That sounds terrible. So I'll give you some strategies on how you can overcome that. But I also want to tell you, John, like why this is happening and it's not your fault. And I call it the mismatch, right? Between the I, recorded self. I didn't self. realize I was that camera shy, but I appreciate you making <laughs> me part of this social experiment. Well, I'm, I'm game. I'm in. Thank you for being a part, just, just for the example, yeah. even though we know that you are absolutely comfortable on yeah, camera so and camp, probably the most hilarious person <laughs> that has had me on a podcast so far. So there you go. <laughs> um, but it's about this mismatch of who you're seeing on that video and who you know you are in real life. And how does that happen? Often it happens if you are memorizing a script. And as a speaker, it's very hard because sometimes I have to memorize a presentation and a delivery. And actors, I do not know how they do it because what happens is number one, we speak differently than we write. So it sort of triggers this brain mismatch of like, wait, that doesn't really sound like somebody would be talking to me in casual conversation. It can also happen if you are losing your warmth cues because when you get on that video, you might be nailing that script, but your brain is thinking about the next bullet point because you want to make sure that you get all the words right. And all of a sudden your face kind of deadens mm. and then you kind of like stare. And then it's like our brain's like, that's me but it doesn't really look like me and it's kind of weird. And so a lot of that has to do with these unconscious things that as we're trying to memorize a script or as we're reading a teleprompter, because it's activating a different part of our brain than if we were just chatting like right now, my volume doesn't go up and down. My voice doesn't change. I'm not leaning in. I'm not using my hands. It's like, or you might think that you have to show up as a persona of yourself to be taken seriously. And you're like, I see people in their videos like this, and they're saying three reasons that you need to be moving to 85255 today. <laughs> and it doesn't feel like you. And yeah. so when you watch it back, your brain's like, that's me, but I can't quite put my finger on why I don't like it. And then you have the ick, and then you don't want to do it again. 
So it's totally normal if people listening are feeling that way. And there is nothing wrong with scripting. I have scripted the majority of my videos. I have memorized a lot of things. And I will still tell you that my unscripted stuff always feels better because that's what we're pinpointing is that that it looks and sounds like me. And my eye crinkles are crinkling when I'm smiling, like I would see somebody and smile at them. And so I would encourage people to keep going. And, you know, yes, at the end of the day, you just expose yourself to your recorded self enough times, it will get easier. But I also don't want people to be so stressed about the whole process of undergoing that either. You know, the thought that came to my mind right now is when you first get your driver's license, the thing that you think about is 10 and 2 review mirror, side mirrors, and you keep doing this whole recycling process over and over and you're driving like an idiot. The second you do it so many times and you're exposed to it, you can do it without thinking, but you're comfortable mm -hmm. in it and you don't have to do anything. Same thing if you're walking and there's a bunch of people around you and you're maybe self-conscious about the way you're walking, then the way you walk starts to change and it starts to be awkward. Yes. And it's, it's about being comfortable and just... Numb. Like I watch and back forming, and, and, and it becomes a habit or it becomes a, yeah. well, it just becomes natural at that yeah. point. Right. And that's, well, I remember yeah. how, that how nervous we used to get for, I think speaking for himself. Uh, <laughs> okay, fine. Our first three or four episodes that we did, I think I probably yeah. had three or four cocktails before yep. we got on here just to relax, relax a little bit. Now it becomes second nature yeah. to come on here and, and uh, present. But I think the beauty of it is, and I, I don't know if we're going off topic, but I, I sort of really enjoy this topic is once you get past what you look like or your delivery or your approach, then you start worrying about a whole nother skew of things, <laughs> yes, right? <yeah. laughs> uh, why do I always ask the same question? I always give him a hard time about asking the same one question over and over again. Uh, why don't I ask better questions? Uh, why is my delivery better? I need to smile more. So we're our own biggest critic, no matter mm -hmm. how you look at it. But I also think it's the type of people that we all are, the three of us, right? We're all competitive people who are always trying to improve. Chelsea, one thing I'll just say is this, and you could drill it into his mind because I try and it doesn't work, but it seems like what, what you're saying is working. He's lighting up over here. So John has the power of storytelling, but he oh, thinks he I needs to do everything that. else in there. So can you can you break through this mofo? Oh, storytelling <laughs> is, what a gift. First of all, what a gift if you have a natural ability to identify stories all around you and be able to tell them because we often get caught up in content. And I know this because I've lost count now of how many tens of thousands of people I've like encountered and coached in the last few years. But beyond that challenge, the other challenge is, well, what do I, what do I say? What do I post? And we have content all around us, right? But we're too close to our own story. And sometimes we don't think we have stories or we don't think we have stories that are worth telling. And I'm gonna share my favorite quote that literally changed how I look at content. And I don't know the original source of this quote, but I found it on a blog. So I'm just gonna quote the blog because that's the best I can do. The blog author was Felicity Honora, and the quote says this, people come for the plot and they stay for the character. People come for the plot and they stay for the character. Those people came for that one TikTok they saw. They went to your profile. They followed it. And then they got to like, know, and trust you in your stories or seeing you again and again. The problem is people don't think they're a character worth staying for. They think what they do is boring. They think who they are is boring, that it's already been said and it's already been done. 
And so the exercise of pulling those stories out, which I'm happy to kind of go into, is hard. And I'm, I get paid to tell stories on stage and I got to work at it. So yes, I'm excited that you have that natural gift and ability. And I'm telling all of the listeners, you do too. You just need a little bit of help finding it. And a story doesn't have to be like, oh my gosh, this one time I raced into a burning building. That's a great story. But it could also be like, oh my gosh, you're never going to believe what just happened. I went to take my dog outside and then, you know, so it, it storytelling is, is massively important. And if you would like some science behind it, which you haven't asked for, but of course I'm going to give it anyway, storytelling is the fastest way. The two fastest ways to accelerate trust in relationships, show your face because our brains can't tell the difference that it's on a screen and tell a story. Why? Because when you tell a story and someone else is listening to that story, your brain is literally in sync, firing in the same way. And I'm filling in. If, if John's telling me a story about last week, I'm filling in the blanks because I'm not there. I'm imagining in my head. So you're activating this brain area. And if it's got any kind of emotion, it's funny, it's embarrassing. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to you. If it's relatable and you're like, oh my gosh, I do that too. Then we immediately have this like shared experience. We don't know we're having it, but we start to feel like I'm part of your story. And instead of just your story, it's now our story because I was a part of it and I imagined it in my head. And because we had this like neural activity sync, I will generally probably like you better after the story. Yeah. There's so much power in what you just said because there's a neurolinguistic programming or NLP, right? Um, where essentially when you storytell, the person visualizes themselves in your shoes. Yes. And they naturally feel connected. And now their story, they've experienced your story, they've experienced it. Mm -hmm. So now there's an automatic connection there. So mm -hmm. they say, whenever you go to a hypnotist, you'll always hear, they'll start with a story. They'll storytell mm -hmm. and there'll be embedded commands because the four levels of your brain, the one that's the most defensive and the one that's like judging you gets automatically put down when you're storytelling because mm -hmm. what's so harmless about a story? The same mm -hmm. reason you'll cry when you watch Game of Thrones because you grow so attached to the story and to the character Mm -hmm. that you'll actually cry and probably not eat for a week or two <laughs> when a character dies. You said another thing there that I think is super powerful, the science of screen to screen. So you're saying that somebody watching over a screen, they can't tell the difference if it's in person or just over a screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the brain has these two areas in, in it that are just dedicated to facial recognition. And I'm going to give you a more modern day example that now everybody gets because before people didn't get this before 2020, they were like, mm, okay, not, not a great example, but this is so good now because now we've all experienced it. So eye contact is so powerful that if I or you or somebody makes eye contact with a stranger, sometimes you just, you look away because it's very intimate. And the same thing happens when I have eye contact with someone, we don't know what's happening, but oxytocin and dopamine happen. And the longer we look at each other eye to eye, the more it happens. And then when you have that go on, you're, you know, like you could literally have hormone levels in your body change. There's some incredible books written by Vanessa Van Edwards that I absolutely love that that's, you know, she has got tons of studies in it. So highly recommend that. But so this eye contact is really, really important and faces to go with it because that's how we understand 
people and relate to them. Like, you know, maybe your significant other comes home and it's not a good day and you can already tell. They haven't even said a word and you're like, oh boy, this is going to be a, this is going to be a night, right? Because you have these little tiny clues that you know, right? Because you're decoding people and you're connecting with them. So here's the example. When you're on Zoom, and you're having a meeting or maybe like the other day when I presented to 700 people and there's two people's cameras on mm. or maybe none. And and I have to actually present like I'm on a stage with people that are giving me feedback. Wow. First of all, I have no energy by the end of the day because I am over emoting to appear human through a screen and it's awful when there's no screens on because I don't have any human connection. And so, yes, it it matters. It's another human being on the other side of the screen. So maybe if it's one thing you take away from this podcast is turn your camera on when you're on Zoom. It's another human being or teams or whatever it is, as long as you're not driving. (laughs) So yes, your brain is innately wired to look at faces, to make connections and understand what's happening in that other person and then will literally feel their emotions from that as well. I can actually like, not gonna lie, before you even said like um, eye contact, as I was looking at your face, I'm like, she's staring into my soul. Like, I feel like she's right here. (laughs) She practices what she preaches. A hundred percent. Yeah, and it's hard because like you guys are below my camera. So I've really (laughs) had to work hard to look into the camera, which again is a tip in and of itself. Because when I started recording myself, I didn't know where to look. And I just looked in my own eyes because it was something to look at on the screen. And the importance, and if you just think about the, the, the cool factor, how cool is it that in 2023, I can make one video that took me 10, 30 seconds, maybe a minute, and I can put it on the internet and I can make eye contact with hundreds or thousands or millions of other people when I'm asleep. That's wild, right? What a cool ability to be able to have an eye to eye contact. And, you know, when people say, well, I want to get more business from it and what's the ROI and what are the KPIs and the percentages? And it's difficult because they're people, not metrics, right? And so it's, it's, you've got to always look at it from this lens of it's real life. It's just different. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, really a powerful way to be able to have somewhat of a human connection. And nine times out of 10, um, when I meet somebody who wants to uh, hire me potentially for an event, if they've watched my content, they get on that call and they're like, wow, I feel like I already know you. You think they're going to hire me? Heck yes. (laughs) So I love that my content does a lot of that for me and so when that person sits down and they're like oh my gosh i love your dogs they're so cute and i'm like i'm so sorry like can you tell me your first name and they're like oh we haven't met before i feel like i already know you and i'm like i love that (laughs) yeah no that's great that's great one of the pieces of advice you shared with people to get more comfortable with recording themselves is sending a video to a close friend or a family member and i was thinking about it it's kind of hit me as you were talking we were talking about the eye contact thing when you want to make someone feel special and you're sending them something virtual, you tend to naturally just stare at the camera because you want them, when they look at it, to feel like you're staring at them. Mm-hmm. And as creepy as it is, it just hit me. I was just like, yeah, I do that weird thing where I'm just staring at this little hole and I'm like, you feel special. You feel special. Yeah. But when you're, when you're, I guess when you're thinking about yourself, ah, that comes down to what you said in the beginning, the intention and yeah. your why. 
Are you doing it for mm -hmm. you or are you doing it for the viewers? So if Absolutely. we had to coach John through this, how do we do this? <laughs> well, I, I think, yeah, if you were to coach agents, real estate agents, of course, mm -hmm. right? That, that tends to be the majority of our audience on how to do this or how to start doing this. What are maybe some of the three or four action steps? I consider myself sort of a unicorn coach in the sense that there's no templates, no scripts, there's guidelines, frameworks, and lots of questions because what works for one person isn't going to work for all. And I can't tell you how many events, conferences, webinars, classes I went to where I felt like, wait a minute, I can't do that. Like I can't post five times a day and do this and do that. And that's just not going to work for me. And I felt like there was something wrong with me because I wasn't able to get on board with the thing that was working for someone else. So I do want to let people know, uh, confession time as a full-time content creator and coach, guess what? I don't batch create any content. <gasps> Shocking, right? I can't. I have tried. I have tried. I have it in my calendar every single week and I have tried for years and my brain just doesn't work that way. That way. So I have to honor how my brain works and try to optimize it as much as possible. All of that to say that I want people to have a sustainable plan that's a long term, that's not going to burn you out, that is not going to impact your mental health. And I know that you probably don't have someone following you around in a video editing team because, hey, we sell houses, right? So um, with that in mind, I have, you know, kind of like a three layer step. And you mentioned it. I call it the one to one video. It's so simple. The strategy is highly effective for all the reasons that we just talked about. If you need to build more camera confidence, and let's be honest, lose the excuses because there's always an excuse. Oh, I don't have time to write out a script. Oh, no, I don't have time to go into Canva and make a carousel post. I don't have my lighting. Uh, my microphone's not here yet. I don't have a good background. I just have my couch. <laughs> Ugh. So we need to eliminate those excuses. And we also need you to show up more as your real self because you're not going to be comfortable if you're not. And if you're not comfortable, you can't be confident. If you're not confident, you're not going to be perceived as competent. So you got to just pull out your phone. And I want you to just record a very short unscripted video. And I call it like the visual Hallmark card. When you go into a Hallmark store, they have a birthday section, a thank you section, a thinking of you section, a you just got a new house section, right? Anything that is a nice human thing to say, right? So let's pretend it's your 55th episode. Yay, I'm so excited. So I'm going to pull out my phone and I'm going to record a quick video and I'm going to be like, you guys, I am so proud of you. Wow, 55 episodes. Awesome. I wish I could give you a virtual high five right now. Great job. That's it. That probably took me less than 10 seconds to say, right? So here's what happens. I didn't say, oh, and by the way, I'm always available if you need a referral. Because then it turns into this is about you and me, but I just want to make it about you. I want them to have a really them-focused experience with your brand which is really hard to do in these times. So I'm gonna say something nice, I'm gonna send it to you. The key here is I want it to be someone you know. And people are like, okay, but I kinda know that person, no, 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 no. This is someone if you ran into them at Target. You wouldn't be like, hey, you. You'd be like, hey, John, it's great to see you. How are the kids? This is someone you know well enough that you are going to be comfortable, you're gonna like them, you're gonna know them, you're gonna trust them. And we need to have that because when you know who you're talking to, you don't need a script. And when you know what to say, which isn't about you and it's something nice for someone else, you feel good saying it. They feel great being seen and receiving it. And then all of a sudden you're looking in that lens and you're like saying happy birthday and you didn't even know, but you're smiling. 
And you're like, oh, okay, well, that wasn't horrible. Maybe the lighting could have been better, but that sounded kind of pretty much like me. And so you get more comfortable with these natural warmth cues so that you feel more like the authentic version of your real self. And you get more comfortable and you get more confident. And here's the really cool part of this whole strategy, right? So you've shot your video, you're gonna send it to someone you know, you're gonna make their day, and it's gonna make you feel great. But here's the, here's how we're gonna send it because this is a really important component of this strategy because I want you to work smarter, not harder. I want you to leverage what the algorithm can do for you. And so I want you to send this message in a direct message or Facebook Messenger, anything like that. I want you to send it through that. Not email, not text, here's why. I love email, I love text. I don't need any of that information. I don't even need to know your phone number. I don't need to know your email. I can, if I'm connected with you on Instagram, I can just send you a direct message. So it gives you access. And number two, whoever you talk to, whoever you're sending direct messages to, the algorithm says, oh, well, you probably want to see more of each other. Let's resort both of your feeds so that the next time you post something that's not a happy birthday to one person, but you're posting your market update or three things that you need to know about interest rates that's going out to the whole feed, they're going to see it. And then someone's like, wow, I feel like I see you all the time. You know, they're in my inbox. I see you when I open my feed. Maybe you're sending out a monthly email. And they feel like this omnipresent experience. And now your content is gonna get seen in the future by those people more often. Text message and emails don't work for your future content. It's a great way to get a hold of somebody and give them that message, but I don't get a text message in a week that says, hey, check your Facebook because Chelsea just made a post, right? Yeah. So I'm not saying not to use those tools. It can be an either or. This particular strategy, I want you to ramp up your algorithm and also ramp up your confidence. That's great. That's a really great tip. And is it because you DM them anything at all or because you DM them an actual video? I don't have any proof of there being a weighted DM. I would assume like if I were at Instagram, I would be like, well, yeah, if somebody's sending a voice message or a video message versus an emoji, then, you know, maybe it should be weighted more. But even if there isn't a weight, by Instagram, there is a weight by the person who gets it. Because if I give you a thumbs up or a heart versus me sending you a voice message where you can mm. hear my voice and I'm like, wow, I'm so sorry to hear about, I just saw you post about that. And I'm, I just want to let you know, I'm thinking of you and I'm really sorry versus like the sad face. Um, so yes, that there is a weight in the mind of the person who's getting it. Yeah. That's extremely valuable, especially if you want to be able to build a community and build retention around, around your following too. But if we had to take a step back and look at what's happening today, a lot of people who are trying to get into the content, creating content field of it, they're probably relying on AI and tech a little too much where they're putting up topics about, um, you know, create me a script of, you know, how to talk about interest rates or this that, and the other to try to communicate through it. And then they end up sounding extremely robotic. Yeah. And I've been guilty because a of robot that. wrote it. Yeah, essentially because a robot wrote it. But then I've seen some of your videos where you're talking about like practicing how you deliver that and like being able to portray emotion. Can you talk a little bit more about that too? 
we could probably do an entire podcast just on how to, uh, you know, really communicate more authentically in a camera because it is awkward. You're looking at a device, and usually there's nobody else in the room with you, and you're trying to speak to it as if you were speaking to a friend or a client. Yeah. So there's a lot of different layers in there that can trip us up, and you know, especially script reading, teleprompting, all of those are incredible tools and require some skill to um, connect with the the audience on the other side. Um, one of the things that you mentioned is sort of like the data of it all. And data is important. It's a really great way to talk about something that is trending or topical. Let's take interest rates, for example. If you find an article that was written by someone else, you could easily create a video using that screenshot of the article as sort of, they call it a green screen. It can sort of be behind you. And I bet your listeners have seen that where it's like they see the person's face, they can hear them talking, and then behind them, they're seeing this article. So now you can refer back to something that you didn't even have to create. Now, the key here to humanizing your content, the reason that we follow people is because those people have a personality and a perspective. And that is the only original content that any of us have. Your personality, your perspective, your opinions, your lived experiences, your stories, your wins, your losses, your thoughts on what you think that means. So I would recommend if you are going to be covering something that's educational, data, charts, information about the market, I like to call it the and then strategy. Mm -hmm. Tell me what it is that you're talking about and then tell me what does it mean for me? Break it down in a way that's easy for me to understand. And if you are talking to a specific niche or audience like first-time homebuyers or homeowners or people who are renting or people who are investors, tell me what this data and information means in a digestible way that I can take it and say, oh, okay, that's why I care about that. That's why this is helpful. I love that. Does it have to just be digestible or does it have to be fun or like your own perspective you know what i mean because sometimes these people just put out market updates i mean we've all seen the realtors that just do these you know notorious market updates that are you know last quarter there was 400 homes and now there's 300 homes and days on market is this i mean how do you make the data and the presentation and your perspective how do you make that fun and interesting and something it that doesn't necessarily them. have to be entertaining. If your personality is fun and entertaining, lean into that. If you are um, somebody who defines yourself as an introvert or quieter or even awkward or weird, like I define myself as an awkward person, then you should lean into that too. You don't want to try to become someone. You never want to copy and paste the personality or perspective of another realtor that you're following in your feed. And that's hard because we are inspired by people that we follow. We see, oh, wow, this person, I love watching their content. I love how they deliver it. They're very successful. And then I need to deliver it in the same manner as that person if I want to be successful. So there is a lot of sort of self-awareness journeys happening in creating content and feeling comfortable with trusting who you actually are and how you're going to deliver the content. And I will be very honest, there have been many times when I thought I had to show up in a certain way because somebody else was doing it. And at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? That just didn't feel right to me. And so I stopped doing that. But I definitely did it because that's what a lot of us have to do is test 
test and try. So it doesn't necessarily have to be fun. It has to be the way that you would explain it. If you're going to explain it to a client who's sitting across from you at that table, it should be in the same way. You should be the same person on the outside of the camera or outside of the phone as you are on the inside of the phone. So that when people meet you, they say, I feel like I already know you. And then there's this instant confirmation of, oh, you're the same person that I was watching your content three days ago and watching all of your content and you're the same person. You're just what I expected. So the the alignment of that offline and online doesn't necessarily have to be fun, doesn't necessarily have to be entertaining. And for those people who are creating educational content and you're thinking, but every time I post something that's fun or funny or has my dog in it, it gets way more views. Of course it's going to, but don't give up on the educational content that is speaking to and answering the questions and solving the problems of your ideal customer because that person is going to be looking for that content. And when they find your content, they will watch one, two, 12 videos if you are able to answer the questions in a way that is easy for them to digest and understand because a lot of people do not do what you do. And so if we're using terminology that is specific to our industry, uh, many people aren't going to stop and ask because they feel like, well, I'm an, I, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm even a homeowner. I feel like I should know what these terms are. Yeah. And I, I don't. So they're not probably going to ask. So yes, if you can make it digestible and if you can explain something, it doesn't matter if it's fun or entertaining. It certainly doesn't have to have any trending music behind it. People are going to be searching for your specific content at some point and then they will consume it and the right person will. Yeah. One thing that that you said also earlier is the and then part, right? And the way that you communicate one-to-one and you do one-to-many is the same thing. And if you're listening to this, you really have to watch this full episode to understand and get the whole essence of what, you know, Chelsea's giving. Uh, Because of you, I bought a prompter, a teleprompter, simply because when I do my webinars, I want to be able to look at that person's eyes and it feels like I'm actually talking to one person, but then you're delivering it to the masses, but you're delivering it to one person. To the point now, because of you, I'm referencing the VA on there. So I'll be like, you know, hey, and I'm like, as if I'm portraying it to one, so like your exercise of saying deliver it to one person, act like you're recording for one person, makes a big difference with the way that it comes through. The only struggle that I find, right, as evolving, trying to practice whole thing, body language comes into a big play in communication, right? You have the words you use and the tonality you deliver it in. How does one start practicing? What tips and tricks do you give for the body language part of it? Yeah, so I'm definitely not a body language expert, but I will tell you as a professional keynote speaker, I study and have hired coaches uh, about performing in theater and stage and stage presence and tonality and facial expressions and body language. And there really is a science to it. It's not just as simple as, well, I'm going to make 100 videos. And by the 100th video, I'm going to be myself and feel comfortable on camera. Will you feel more like yourself? Absolutely. However... I did hundreds of videos and I still had to focus on learning, knowing my tone, my volume, the louder that I spoke, you know, the more uh, authority and expertise it communicates. If I pause and allow people to consume and process the information when I'm literally on a stage or maybe just even on a video, I forget about my, my hands because I'm thinking, here's the camera. I'm sitting here, I need to deliver this information. And oftentimes if you're scripting, you're thinking about bullet point number three, 
and your mouth is on the intro and your facial warmth cues go away and you're not moving your hands. And then you watch that back and you're like, oh, that's me, but it doesn't really align with the real me. So yes, that is a whole nother layer. And I wouldn't worry about that at first. It really just needs to be creating the habit you know, creating the habit of being on video, starting with the idea of talking to one person, because if you try to do all of it, if you're like that A personality, that driver where you're like, okay, I got to make sure I'm looking into the camera and I have to make sure that I'm using my hands and then I have to make sure I'm not missing bullet point number three, it can feel very overwhelming. And so I always tell people to not start with scripted video as torturous as that might sound not starting with scripted video and just sending those one-to-one videos to people is going to really help you get more comfortable with some of the other elements of making videos. And believe it or not, I also have people do other things while they're making videos. I will say, go for a walk, literally walk and record a video because your brain isn't so focused on just the camera, just the words. Yeah. And so there's little tips and tricks like that. But yes, there there's a whole element to the nonverbal communication that is happening in your content, in your video. And if you think about it, that's why we use emojis. That's why when we're typing things out, we use emojis. In fact, I feel really rude if I'm not using an emoji. And people are like, are you mad? I'm like, no, I just didn't put the smiley face emoji. Sorry. (laughs) So there's a whole element of that in there. And so if there are any folks out there who are listening and feeling more comfortable on video, that would be the next step that I would absolutely recommend is researching how to leverage different tonalities and pauses and body language and smiling and eye contact and practicing that. And it is a practice because we are not used to that. Um, And a lot of us think that we have to show up in a certain way when we're being filmed so that we can create a quote professional looking authority building video. No, you hit it right on the head. And for people who are listening to this that are prospecting based or sales focused in a lot of aspects, it is essentially a, uh, a muscle and a skill that you develop over time. And definitely the, the way that you execute in terms of understanding the words that you need to say, the tonality you deliver in, and the body language that you actually like involve with it, the words are 7%, the tonality is less than 40%, and the body language is the biggest makeup of the whole thing. So if people are focusing on only the 7%, that's why they're not getting the reaction they want. And yeah. uh, and with that being said, too, even even just over the phone, when you're making calls to clients and stuff, your yeah. body language comes through even on the phone. Yeah, it's wild. I was giving the example today when someone's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to hold off. I'm like, are you sure you don't want to stop the bleeding? And I'm like holding my wrist and leaning forward. And like you can almost hear there's conviction in that as well when you're doing that. But then in video, it's like, do you sure you want to stop? Like, I don't know. I did an accent, too. But no, this has been great. Chelsea, thank you so much for your time today. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It was really fun, and I love talking about this. So I really appreciate it. Very grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. And what's the best way for someone to reach out if they want to connect and collaborate with you? Best way is to find me on Instagram, or you can go to my website. Both of them are my first and last name, Chelsea Pites. And uh, you can send me a direct message. Let me know you came from the show. I love to say hello to the listeners. And if you have any questions that came up from today, shoot me a DM. You can go to my website. There's a whole bunch of free resources there as well. Great. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.